0: What do you hear above the noise? We're talking about hearing God today. A Couple years ago, I was asked, if you could talk about one thing for the rest of your life and only one thing, what would it be? And without any thought or premeditation, out of my words came, out of my mouth came, hearing God. Because the ability to relate to God and understand his leading and know what he's speaking to me and shaping me and forming me is so foundational to our life of faith. We're going to spend a couple weeks talking about the subject, and today is titled, What Do You Hear? When I was a teenager, we got a new pastor at the church that I was part of, and um, he, he didn't say, hi, how are you? He didn't greet in a like, normal way. It was often, hey, Jen, what's God saying? Instead of like, how are you? How's your week? What's going on? Anything like that. He was known for saying, hi, Jen, what's God saying? And he would say it to all these people. And I, at first, I was often caught like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. What, what is he saying? Like, what is it? Is it big? Is it noticeable? Is it like a burning bush? Is it like writing on the wall? Is it like just this big concept when he would ask the question, what's God saying? And what I appreciate now, like 20 years later, is the fact that at the foundation of a very formational time of my life in ministry was this idea and this reality that God is present, speaking, speaking. Leading, guiding every day, every way of my life. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I learned to hear, to follow the prompts, the voice, the leading, the inspiration of God. What do you hear above the noise? Life is noisy, isn't it? The individual channels of our life might be beautifully melodic in sound. Our relationship with our spouse or friends and family might be beautifully melodic. Our work, our relationship with God, our relationship with our neighbors, these individual tracks might be okay. But something about life in 2022 doesn't mean they're single very often, it's all together. And when they're all together, it can be quite noisy. This past week, I don't know if you um, wondered where the video announcements were shot this week, um, but that's our new office, offices downstairs. And so we, we were slowly moving into the building and slowly taking over more of the renovated space. And so a big move in took place on Tuesday. And at one point on Tuesday, three of my coworkers were singing different songs at the same time. Now, my coworkers can sing, as evidenced by their role on the worship team. But do you know that three songs sung beautifully, different songs sung beautifully at the same time, it creates noise? And I was standing there trying to make a decision, and I'm like, I, I can't do this with all of this sound going on. Today, we're talking about what do you hear above the noise? And I want to talk about that, that posture and the principle of just stepping up above life, above all that's going on for a moment to hear what God is saying to us today. The main point of today's message, and there's sermon notes online if you want to follow along, is that one of the foundational components of hearing God is knowing what we're listening for. One of the foundational principles of hearing God is knowing what we're listening for. If I said to you, what's Rose saying? She just led us in communion. Most of you, even if this is your first Sunday, would be able to identify a British accent, a nice voice. And if I said to you, what's Rose saying? Well, she just said, we're partaking in communion and, you know, we identify voices. But being able to identify a voice is just the beginning when we get to understand a person and know a person and know their values, know their personality, know what they like and what they don't like, we can really appreciate what they're saying in a different way. So there's a beginning of beginning to identify, okay, that's the voice. That's what it sounds like. That's, you know, that's God speaking to me. That's that's the prompting of the Holy Spirit in my heart. That's That's God. And as we grow in our relationship, and as we develop understanding of who God is, it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper as we grow in our ability to hear. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse number 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, just gonna pause for one moment there. Those who live according to the flesh, that's life in this being, this body on planet Earth. And those who live according to the ways of this body and being and this body and being alone have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, read God's ways, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. What's that saying? Those who believe in Jesus, those who have faith in Christ, have the spirit in them. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in us. And as we'll see, as the verses go on, it talks about being led by that spirit. How are we led by that spirit? We hear we are prompted, we are drawn towards life and peace. Point number one this morning is that hearing God includes conviction that leads us to living by the Spirit. Verses 12 through 14, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. That word obligation is a very strong word. Hearing God includes conviction that leads us to living by the Spirit. I've pastored for years and taught for years, and I'm asked a lot. I was asked this week, how do I know what God is saying to me? And I I like drawing to the point of, have you ever felt convicted by God? Have you ever felt a point of conviction to stop doing something or start doing something based on scripture or a sermon or a podcast or a worship song where you hear something, you read something, and there's a sense of conviction like, oh, that's sin, or oh, that's good and healthy and I need to start doing that? That sense is God talking to you. And conviction or the sense that God is pointing out something in our life is often a birthplace of hearing God. We are convicted to follow Christ. We are convicted to stop sinning. We are convicted to start practicing generosity or hospitality or any number of things that scripture indicates believers do. And this point of conviction that leads us to life in the spirit and greater life in the spirit is the process of becoming Christ-like and the entire point of our faith journey. Hearing God is so foundational to our development. We need to be people who turn our attention towards scripture, towards teaching, towards understanding the way of Christ and hearing what that means for us. Individually and corporately, what is God saying to you? <laughs> conviction, as I've mentioned before, is, today, is um, not just stop doing that. Conviction isn't just a process of stop sinning. There are points of conviction where it is start things. Start practices of prayer, start practices of hospitality, start practices of giving. Indeed, there are points where it is stop. Stop that language, stop that thought pattern, stop whatever would be hindering us from life and peace. But it is also start. And there is an element of conviction that is also a conviction to believe something where there are things that we need to believe deeply and profoundly about us as children of God, about the power of our thoughts. Scripture's pretty clear, it says, take thoughts captive and make them obedient to Jesus. There are points of our hearing God journey that the conviction will be to lay the shame down. It's a point of, okay, You need to lay it down, because God doesn't see you that way. And there's points of conviction where, in my own journey, I had to, I came to this point of awareness. Um, I took a counseling program over at Pacific Life Bible College, and one of the instructors at the beginning and the end of our classes would do these prompts, and we'd go around the classroom and just answer whatever he prompted us with. And the one day he said, I believe, and we just had to fill in whatever came out of our mouths, like, I believe. And I said, I believe people only like me because they have to. And I stopped, and I went, really? But in that day and on that, on that day, something was unearthed in me that I began to see the pattern throughout my life and early adulthood of believing this lie that people only liked me because they had to. They barely tolerated me at best. That was literally the lie. And through a process of looking at that and looking at my life, there came a point where it felt like God said to me, are you gonna let, are you gonna let it go? Because it's not truth. It's not truth. Make that lie obedient to Jesus and his deep and profound love for you. The conviction process of becoming more Christ-like isn't just stop sinning. Oh, it is, like, yes, clean up your language. Stop lying, stop stealing. It is that kind of conviction but it's also the conviction to start things that are healthy and productive for our faith, and it's the conviction to believe things that are healthy and productive about our faith, which connects us to point number two. Hearing God includes revelation of relationship with him as his children. Hearing God includes revelation of relationship with God and us as his children. Verse number 15 of Romans eight goes on to say, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I'm gonna read that again, just like Rose does. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We need conviction. We need revelation of relationship. We can't have just one. We need them both. And we need to posture our hearts towards hearing greater and greater revelation of God's love for us. We need it. If this relationship with God is only about what I'm doing wrong, I don't actually want that. This relationship with God on the pages of scripture from the very foundations of Exodus, from the very foundations of Genesis, is a God who wants to be in relationship with his people. A gracious and compassionate forgiving God, one of unending love. Is that the God you know? Is that the God that you appreciate? Is that the God you journey with? At the depth of your being, do you cry, Abba, Father, with an awareness of the love, the passion, the care that God has for you? Is that the God you hear? If I only hear God's voice as conviction, my faith can become about behavior modification. If that's all I hear, it's about doing right, living right, fixing this, stopping that, starting that. But if my relationship with God is out of a deep revelation of his love for me, I'm quite unstoppable. A number of years ago, well, actually, in 2000, I can date it exactly, 2003, I was taking a missions trip, and at the end of, I shared this story on a podcast, so if you've heard it, I think I did, if you've heard it, that's okay, you can hear it again. Um, I was taking a missions trip to Mexico, and it got delayed a couple times, and so we ended up meeting as a team a lot longer than we anticipated, and it developed a really good team together. And at the beginning and end of each time, we would pray. At the beginning, we would pray individually. And at the end, we would pray in groups. And it was just this practice of, I need to tend myself. I need to take care of my own life. But then we also need to be connected in community. And one of the male leaders on the team, he consistently would come to me after the corporate time of prayer. It didn't matter if I was in his group or not. He would come towards me and say, It got to be laughable because I started to avoid him because I knew what he was gonna say. He would say, Jen, Jenny, because at that time I went by Jenny and do not call me Jenny. That was a specific name for a specific season. But he would say, Jenny, God wants you to know his deep and profound love for you. And I would say, yeah, yeah, I know. I know God loves me. And he would say, no, there's more. And it got to the point where I just avoided him. I'd see him coming. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I'd see him coming, and it'd be like, peace. I'm out. Because he would just say the same thing. I'm like, how can you say the same thing? I know God loves me. Fast forward a few months, and I'm out of school in California, and there's this speaker speaking. I won't say his name, but there's a speaker speaking, and in the middle of teaching on some, I don't even remember. In the middle of teaching on an unrelated subject, he goes, Jennifer, do you know that God loves you? And I'm like, there's no other Jennifers in this room. How do you know that? And he says, there's a level and a degree of God's love that you have not experienced, and he wants you to know how deep and profound his love is for you, and I was like, whoa. Did the guy from Pell River call this guy and somehow work a deal? Or is God just like speaking here? And so I I just said, okay, God, listen, I'm totally busted on this, so I'm going to lean towards it. It's months and months of hearing this. I'm going to lean towards it. And the only way I know to lean towards it is to go in the middle of the night because I can't trust my brain sometimes. So I go set my alarm for 2 o'clock in the morning, get up in the middle of the night, take my journal, my Discman, because that's how long ago it was. And if you don't know what a Discman was, you're too young. Um, But it was a CD player. And if you don't know what a CD was, I'm just getting older as this sermon goes along. And I'm literally aging in front of your eyes. (laughs) And so I took my Discman and my not pillow, my journal and Bible and a pen, and I went to a prayer room in the dorm building, and I just put worship music on. I opened my journal, and I just started to write, God, if there is more to your love, I want to know it, and just journaled there in the middle of the night. Half an hour goes by. I'm like, okay, get up, go back to bed, The second night, I was like, I'm just gonna keep going until I experience something or understand something or I don't even know where I was going for, but I was just gonna keep going. Next night, rolls around, two o'clock, get up, take my things, go down to the prayer room and start journaling. And halfway through this journaling prayer process, I can't describe what happened, but there in that prayer room, I can see it, I can smell it was this baptism of awareness of God's deep and profound love for me that has forever changed me. Hearing God includes appreciating the depth and the height and the width and the breadth of God's profound love for you. What are you hearing? What are you hearing today? There's also, there's conviction, there's relationship, and there's also this dynamic of hearing God where point number three this morning, three of three, hearing God includes being light in this world as co-heirs with Christ. Verse 17 of Romans says, Romans 8 says, now if we are children, then we are heirs Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Co-heirs with Christ. Sharing in his sufferings. That word sufferings is sharing with his sympathies. Sharing with feeling, feeling pain together. Sharing with suffering, troubles, persecutions in the like manner With another. We participate in the mission of Christ in this world. Hearing God includes being light in this world as co-heirs with Christ. We are people of mission. Our relationship with God isn't just to hear. How many know that there's a big difference between hearing and listening? Are there any parents here? Any spouses here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. My mom would say, yes, you hear me, but are you listening? <laughs> come, come load the dishwasher, yeah, I hear you. No, no, I know you hear me. Are you listening? Our relationship with God is very similar. It's not just a matter of hearing. Are we listening? And when we listen, we follow or we obey, or we enact what we're hearing. This is part of that. What are we hearing as we look to the world around us? What is my heart for the people that I encounter? Uh, This is kind of slightly embarrassing or slightly revealing of an addiction that may or may not need conviction, but there are a great deal of Workers at the Starbucks at the bottom of the hill that know my name. They're like, "Hi, Jen." Ah. <laughs> yes, grande unsweetened English Breakfast Tea Latte. Yes, yes, yes. But they ask me where I'm going on Sundays, and we have. I know some of them. I know what they're studying. It goes both ways. I know their names. I just don't know what they drink at Starbucks. But you know, I know what to pray for. So maybe it balances out. Um, but there are. What is your heart for the people that you encounter? Coworkers, neighbors, friends, family, the people around us, the world around us. We are co-heirs with Christ as light in this world. We need an awareness of God's character and heart that motivates our ministry in the world around us. And that's part of hearing. We hear and we follow wherever he leads. And if we go back up to point number two, everyone that I have heard stories of encountering God's love, it overflows to the world. I, I, I've sat, Joel and I shared a moment where it was like, yes, I've experienced that. Greg, so many people, we've shared stories of, wow, I encountered God's love and it made me love the people around me, in a new way, in a profound way, in a different way. I was years ago on my face literally before God. There was, I don't know if you've ever had a person in your life that tests your patience. Just think about the biggest test you've ever faced with a person, and that's where I was. And I was doing a Bible study with the church women at the time and it was a Beth Moore study and she talked about the posture of literally praying on your face. She said, try it. Every day of the study, just literally go on your face and pray, it changed my life, that posture of prayer. But there was a situation that had come up that needed incredible wisdom and so I'm like, literally on my face and I'm like, God, what am I supposed to do? And I distinctly heard deeply and profoundly God say, love them. And I was like, how? And he said, like, I love them. And I was like, I'm going to need your help on that one. (laughs) And instantly, it was like this download that changed how I saw them where once it would be literally see them annoyed. I don't know if you know what that feels like, but literally you see a person and you're like, I'm annoyed just by their presence. That was me, I don't mind sharing. But in that moment, God, it's like he erased that and put this deposit of God's love for that person. And it changed. Our interactions changed their life actually. What do you hear? What do you hear? What do you hear above the noise of life? It's helpful to say, This is what is noisy right now. And it's like you kind of put it in a box. And we're going to, in a few moments, take a time of worship to say, What am I hearing? Sometimes we're so consumed with all of the things of life and all of the things that are going on, and there is a lot going on for most people right now. But what we want today is to take the noise of life and, and just kind of put it down for a moment. In fact, if you could put it down for a moment at the foot of the cross in the presence of Jesus, I think he might have some things to say about the noise of our lives today. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up as I'm closing today, but I want us to posture our hearts as we respond and worship together. I specifically ask for this song because it exalts God, which means lifts God above. And I specifically ask for this because I want us to, like I just said, take the noise of life, even if it's not noisy, take all of our life like we sang earlier, in my life be lifted high. All of me, the songs of surrender this morning were so beautiful. And I want us to literally put those things before God and say, what are you, what are you saying? What are you, what are you saying today to my life? Hearing God includes conviction and that might be what's going on. Hearing God includes revelation of relationship and that Might be what's going on. And hearing God includes being light in this world, and that might be what He is speaking to you today. Above the noise, what are you hearing? Let's pray. Father, we surrender the noise, we surrender our lives our work, our family, our relationships, our mind, our body, our soul, we surrender to you today. And we lay these things at your feet and pray for fresh hearing in this place. Holy Spirit, would you speak? Would you convict? Would you reveal your deep and profound love grace, mercy, would you put in us the calling to be light in this world? Show us who to pray for, care for. Show us, lead us, guide us, and find in us true hearts of willingness, of obedience, of desire to hear you. God, be exalted in this place. As we turn our attention to you, be exalted in this place. And we thank you for the mysterious nature that you are exalted and you are present and intimate, connected to us. We thank you for your voice. We thank you for your presence. In your name, Jesus, amen.